that song, We Want You to Have It All, is really expressing the abundance that's possible for us, right? Except that that doesn't always happen. And so then we're left with, how come? And, and it's, it can be complicated. So that's what today is about. First of all, I want to start by defining abundance for you. It doesn't mean money. Money is an expression of abundance. But what, mon- but what abundance means is flow, unlimited flow. It's, it is a power that we can access. It's much like plumbing. If you turn on the faucet, you expect the water to flow out. And if it doesn't flow out, if you hear that, you know that sound that <laughs> when, when it's been turned off, for, you know, at the, at the main, then you say, huh, there's something wrong here. It's not that water doesn't exist. There's some kind of a kink that the flow isn't coming through to my faucet. And so you go looking for where do you need to correct that? You don't start saying there is no abundance or there's no abundance for me. Why would your neighbor have it but not you? It has to be something in your pipes, right? And, and we know that. We assume that. It's the same thing with electricity. If we turn on the, the switch and nothing comes on, we assume that there's something wrong with the wiring or, or something in our system. We don't assume that we are not candidates for electricity. <laughs> okay, so we know that. When, when I decided to do this class, I did it originally because in a week we're going to be starting the abundance class, I mean this topic, um, we're going to be starting the abundance class. And this is, it's really, it's a practice. It's not something that you go, like the students that are, working toward ministry, they have to take this class. And so, yes, they check off that they took the class, but that doesn't mean, okay, got it now. All dialed in forevermore. It's a practice, and we routinely get into situations where we forget. So when you take the class, you're having an opportunity to practice. Practice. What we, what we teach here. And the other reason is because it isn't going to be the same, and not just because I took the metaphysics class again, but, but because I'm constantly reading things, and then it's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And so then I retweaked the whole class <laughs> because I, I can't sit. My husband will say to me, you know, why don't you make it easy for yourself? Why don't you just do the same thing every time? And I think it's because when I was a teacher way back, there was, I remember this one woman in particular. She, I taught middle school. And she had been teaching middle school for 20 years. And I don't think she had ever changed a lesson plan. And I how could you do that? I'm not capable of it, so it will not be the same class. Um, 
So anyway, that was one of my whys, because I wanted to get you excited about the class so that you'll take the class so that you can get more into the flow of abundance. And then the other reason was because this dear friend of mine, who's somebody in this community, talked to me about how hurt she was by this whole idea of your thoughts create your reality, and her reality wasn't very happy. And she felt blamed by that. And I think we have to be extremely careful in how we language that idea. Our thoughts are powerful, and they do create our reality, and there's fine print. <laughs> and so part of the fine print is called collective consciousness. So all of the thoughts that are out there are creating realities and they kind of all swirl together and we have things like racism and violence and othering and, and poverty. We have lots of ills in this world and there is nobody here who is responsible for all of that all by yourself. And if you are experiencing that, any one of those, then your thoughts are contributing, but you're also getting caught up in this bigger thing. And, and it is, nobody gets to blame another person for that. Each person is doing the best they know how. And how you experience that situation that you're dealing with is a function of your consciousness. So that's where you have power. And it can be very hard. If what, you're, if what you're dealing with is one of those really yucky things that we all have from time to time, it's hard. And it's easy for somebody who's not dealing with that right now to say, oh, come on, you know, get with it. That's, that's cruel. That's cruel to do that, because you don't know what it feels like to that person in that moment. So those were my whys for doing this. And then, then I had an experience last week. I remember this friend of mine once did a talk, and she was doing a talk on depression, and she, she came out in this old bathrobe, and, you know, and she's went through this whole thing very theatrically and is talking about depression. And she's saying, the only problem with this topic is that I find that when I'm going to do a talk, then I experience what I've been going through, uh, what I'm talking about. I experience it all week. And she said, so next week, I'm going to talk about sexual ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> but at any rate... So I put this talk about abundance up, and last week I had what I will refer to as conference hell. So I went to the, um, for those of you who don't know, I'm on the regional board for Unity for the Northwest region, and so, and I'm also on the conference team that puts on the, the um, Northwest Regional Conference. And last week at the conference, there was a big conflict between the board and the conference team. So talk about being in a position of 
having to hold both of those because I was on both of those. And I just, it was very, very difficult. The conference team felt disrespected, unappreciated. The, the board was feeling frustrated with how things were going and trying to make something different. And it just, it didn't go well. And remember last week I was saying how I just taught this class in conscious conversations and realized how bad I was at it? I was even worse than I knew. You know, I was, like they have this thing about when you, um, what you're supposed to do in conversation is, is recognize when people aren't feeling safe and then do something to make them safe. Because, and how you recognize it is people go either to silence or violence. And my MO is usually go to silence. So I, I stood up for myself, and I went to violence. It wasn't, it wasn't any more helpful. So anyway, I had all of that. And then I'm preparing for this talk. This, this will actually come around to abundance. But um, I'm preparing for this talk. And I read this whole thing about when you have something in your life, especially if it's something that is a complaint that you have over and over again, to take responsibility for it and begin to wonder, huh, why would I have created that? Now, this isn't a brand new thought to me, really, but it was, it was a, I don't know, maybe just because I'd been through conference hell, it, it came at a time when I hadn't been thinking about it in terms of abundance. And so I began to wonder, what, what was it in me that required this experience? Because regardless of the fact that other people were having their experiences with it, I was definitely having it. And it, it wasn't fun. So when I say abundance is not money, abundance is like the song that we just heard. When it's all this good feeling, it is the flow the unlimited flow, and I was not in the flow. The team was not in the flow. The energy between these two groups was not flowing. So I am in the process of wondering what is my piece in this. And I wish I could tell you I had this great answer, but I don't, but I will, I will. And so that's one action that you can take when you find yourself having stepped out of the flow. I want to tell you in a slightly different way a story that you've probably all heard before, the story of Sleeping Beauty. So Sleeping Beauty is a princess who's born to a king and queen. And at her christening, all these little fairies show up, powerful beings. And what is going on in this initial scene is the idea of original blessing. They are acknowledging this beautiful child who has come into the world, and they are just showering her with blessings. And that's how it is for all of us. We are born into this world as a blessing. We are blessed. But then, in the story I read, because there were only 12 little tiny dishes and not 13, one fairy is not invited. And when she hears about this and that she wasn't invited, she's very angry. And so she comes in and lays a curse on the baby. So 
metaphysically, that fairy represents lack, jealousy, revenge, hurt. She, that, those energies that are in the world, that's what that fairy represents. And we all experience that. We start out as this blessing, and then we go, grow through life, and we experience all of these things at one point or another, both on the giving and the receiving end of it, usually. So luckily, there's yet another fairy who hasn't spoken up, and she softens the curse. So instead of the baby dying, she's going to fall into a sleep for 100 years. She grows up, and when she hits the age that the curse is supposed to take effect, she is sort of led, like something inside her, kind of like the, the caterpillar that just has to spin this chrysalis and doesn't know why. She goes up the stairs to where this old woman is spinning, and there's a wheel that's going round and round, and you can just kind of, the hypnotist in me is saying, oh yeah, round and around. Anyway, she, she just kind of goes over and she has to touch it, and as soon as she touches it, she falls into a sleep. Metaphysically, that's like all of us. We go into this trance, and we get ourselves into a situation where we are unconscious. And we've all been unconscious. And it's not usually a one-time event. We've done it more than once, right? So she falls into a sleep for a hundred years. And around her, around the castle, there's this briar forest, which is like collective consciousness. All these snarls that nobody can get through. Until finally, the time is up and a prince comes. Now, when we were little girls, those of us who were, we grew up with the idea, oh, my prince will come, and everything will be good. And that doesn't work, right? <laughs> and it puts a terrible burden on the men. You know, it's like... <laughs> but metaphysically, what it means, the prince is our higher consciousness that is able to cut through this race consciousness, who is able to bring a higher perspective and wake us up from the trance we are in. So that's what's to know about this collective consciousness that's going on. The way out of it when we find ourselves facing circumstances that we don't know what to do with it, they seem bigger than us, that we don't think our thoughts cause them, they're just there. They're circumstances that we're dealing with, and they're hard. Higher consciousness is the way out. But what that looks like and how long it takes, it took 100 years in the story. It wasn't overnight. <laughs> So don't beat yourself up when you can't. I remember when Rachel was 
four. She had just learned to snap her fingers. And she said, wouldn't it be great if all you had to do is say you wanted something, all you had to do is snap your fingers? I said, yeah, that'd be great. She says, there's only one problem. I said, what's that? Some people can't snap. <laughs> so it isn't as easy as it sounds. Our beliefs do affect how we experience the world. But we don't always know what those beliefs are because they're unconscious. But luckily, we have a great way of finding out. And you'll be surprised at this. It's our complaints. Now, you've been taught you shouldn't complain, right? It's not really helpful, usually. But if you look at your complaints, especially the things you have been complaining about the same thing for years, can anybody think of at least one thing that you've been complaining about for years? Okay, so you take those things and you realize, if I've been complaining about this for years, I've got to have a belief that says that this is how life should be. Because if I didn't, it wouldn't keep happening that way. I wouldn't keep falling into that same situation. And so you begin to entertain the possibility that your complaints are a secret door into a belief that you have the power to change if you only knew what it was. And so you just begin to hold that question and see what it might be. Wonder about wonder is so powerful. So you're taking responsibility for it. And responsibility doesn't mean this is all your fault. It means aligning yourself with the Savior, the Savior, the Prince, the higher consciousness that's coming through. You align yourself with that aspect of yourself. And you tell yourself that I can change. I can create something because I'm that powerful. Does that make sense? The other thing that you do is you affirm. You affirm what is true. So what is true is that this situation right here, whatever it is that you're dealing with, is an outpicturing of your beliefs. So when I was reading this the other day, and, and I got that connection that, oh, because I had been marinating in, even though the, these are all people that I really, really like. It isn't like, oh, I've got to deal with the ones that I can't stand. <laughs> I really like them. But even though I do, I was going into that, what's wrong with them? You know, if only they, dot, dot, dot. Which is the easiest thing to do. The hardest thing is to say, well, could I have something to do with it? That, that's hard to see what that might be. 
when I realized that, oh, this whole thing, instead of having to figure out how to fix that, all I have to do is figure out why is it showing up in my life? That felt easier, even though I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to either one, but that is, at least is in my power. If I have to figure out how to fix something that involves all these other people with their personalities and their beliefs, that feels like you know turning straw into gold. I'm not going to be able to do that. But I have a chance of discovering why I'm creating this drama and then changing my belief so I don't need that drama anymore. So I, I started feeling really excited. It's like, whoa, because I was, I was not happy. I did use that term, conference, hell, right? And remember, hell is not option B that we don't want for the afterlife. Hell is a state of constriction and torment. That's what hell is, as opposed to heaven, which is a state of expansive thinking. So suddenly, when I realized that, I, was, I had a way out of hell. And I felt so happy, because I knew, I knew that that answer would come. I know that that power is in me. Now, that's just my particular issue that I'm working with. For you, it might be something around money. You know, you might be experiencing poverty or lack of what you want, or maybe it's health, or maybe it's love. This, all of these are aspects of the unlimited flow. And wherever it is that there's constriction, we have the ability to shift that if we can just find the belief that's under it. And there are other things we can do, too. So in affirming, we're affirming that it isn't so much that God is everywhere like a being, because then you're looking at this crappy situation you're in and saying, that's God. You know, that's kind of hard to believe. Rather, God is a power that is available to this situation. There is no situation that God is not available to. And if we call on that power, we have the ability to shift the situation in ways that we don't know. In the abundance class last time, there were two women that were both in the same group in, in one of the classes, and they both wanted a new home. And both of them just were struggling to believe that that was even possible. One of them couldn't believe she could ever own a home, ever. And the other one couldn't believe she could even find a home to rent. <clears throat> and they both... So what they did is they kept visualizing and affirming that that power was available to them. And by the end of the class, they both had a new home. One owned a home for the first time, and the other one found one that was just exactly how she'd pictured it. 
Anita was telling me that she manifested the home of her dreams. She had it as a, as a picture on her computer, that it came up every day, and she kept visualizing it, visualizing it, visualizing it. If we keep focusing on it, we can create. The other thing we can do is we can be thankful. Because when those torturous thoughts come and we start worrying about whatever it is we're worrying about, we're constricting our energy. We can shift it by turning to gratitude. Joanne told me that she has a technique when she finds herself complaining it and she catches herself doing it, she'll just stop and she pictures that she's sweeping that energy out whatever it is that she's complaining. And now she has a blank slate. And from there, she can go into gratitude. It's really powerful. It doesn't have to be gratitude for whatever it was you were complaining about. Usually, that's pretty hard to do that. But it can be, you can start with count your blessings for whatever, whatever it is that you're grateful for. And then you can practice just feeling the feeling of gratitude not for something, but just being in gratitude. That is a powerful way to shift the energy. Another thing you can do is start giving. So if you think about the whole metaphor of the garden, you don't come to a, a garden that has nothing growing yet, and you say, all right, grow, and then I will water. <laughs> it does not work that way. First you water, and then you get the growth. Well, yes, you have to plant the seeds. True. I can give you a list. Thank you. You can take my abundance class, or you can go and talk to Manissa. <laughs> the truth is, we all know. We all know this stuff. It's just, do we remember? There is a saying in the Bible about bring your full tithe to the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And if you do, see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. And this particular quote has been used to support the idea of tithing forever in churches. Tithing is a practice of giving 10% of whatever comes in. The point of that is so that you can enlarge your capacity for giving. It's not a commercial for the church. It's because giving allows you to step into the flow. And most of us underestimate what we can give. So when you tithe, you have a better opportunity to step more largely. When it says, I will open the windows of heaven, that means the state of expansiveness, and we are the windows. What that is telling you on a metaphysical level is I will open up your experience, your expansiveness, and blessings will flow from you and to you. 
because you are in a state of expansiveness. So whatever your area is that feels a little crimped right now, take some of these ideas and practice them so that you can get back into the flow because that's where we belong. We live in a wonderful world. And if we practice the power of abundance, we will experience it as wonderful. And you can sign up for the class back there <laughs> or online. Let's really, let's do it all together. I want to do it not because I'm so great at it, but because I want to grow in it always. And I want you to grow too. So I hope you'll consider that.